Okay. Three, two, one. <laughs> Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Hi, everybody. In. Welcome to the Fade to Gray podcast. Um, this, if you've been following us today, is our third interview. Um, and we are really excited to be here. I'm not sure what's going are you on. Doing the intro, I'm taking baby? over. Apparently. Are we doing music first? I mean, I thought we were. I was listening. I was waiting for music. I thought we were going to do our intro music. You're going like to give, give Seth episode. a complete conniption. <laughs> That's not he how we do things. He, That's he not how said we do he things. didn't want to do it. <laughs> You're listening to the Bay Network. <laughs> we invite people of all backgrounds to share their stories. Through nuanced conversations and forward thinking and not taking ourselves too seriously. Everyone's story matters. Every voice is important. Life is polarizing. But not everything is black and white. Come join us as we fade to gray. Woo! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Oh, boy. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. So now Seth can do his job. <laughs> That's right. I'm now just I trying to give Seth job. a conniption there at the beginning. Sorry, guys. Just having a little fun. Everyone, I am so happy to introduce Julie McVeigh. She is the author of Messy Musings and Why I Left Church to Find Jesus. I have been wanting to have this conversation with Julie for quite some time now. And so I am so excited that Chris, Elizabeth, Omar, and myself get to sit down and have this conversation today. But to kick things off, Julie, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good now after chatting with you all for a few minutes. And uh, yeah, you've made me more relaxed in this kind of <laughs> situation. I'm good. I'm good. We Glad have that effect here. on people. It's like around the holidays and you get around your family <laughs> and you have like the cousins that like to fight and pick on each other and you just kind of like sit back and like, okay. Okay, I can probably say about anything right now and no one's going to be shocked. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me. Super stoked that you're here. I, I was, you know, immediately caught by the names of the books that you've put out there. So Leaving the Church to Find Jesus. That's a pretty um, controversial title. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to getting to know a little bit more about that. But, you know, here at Fade to Gray, we like to start out at the beginning. So how in the world did you get caught up in the messiness that is the Christian faith? Good question. I didn't think it was messy when I got caught up into it, <laughs> of course. Um, I guess, actually, uh, my story might be a little bit different than some. I did not grow up in a religious home or spiritual home. Uh, my mom did she grew up Catholic my dad um I guess <clears throat> he was a Presbyterian I guess you would say he was going to the Presbyterian church when we were kids but they didn't really talk about the Bible they didn't really take us to church very often I I was you know so young I didn't uh, glimpse anything in the Catholic church or the Presbyterian church about Jesus I had no idea really who Jesus was until I was 16. And that was um, outside of my parents' home. I moved, I, I, my parents were divorced when I was 14. I grew up in kind of a dysfunctional household. My mom had um, some mental 
um, disability, some issues, bipolar, uh, border personality disorder, things like that, uh, some legit um, things she was challenged with. And I ended up moving out <clears throat> when I was 16, but right before 17. So right before my senior year in high school, and I moved in with a girlfriend and her family, and it was a friend of theirs that introduced me to this gospel of Christ. And I was thirsty for unconditional love and acceptance. And I was just like, this story, this is it. I the love hook. this Jesus. What? I, yeah, take me to your church. So she took me to her church. Um, she was a few years older. I think she was like 23, I want to say. So I'm like 16. I go to this church. And it was my first real, I guess, I, I was getting it. So I understood the gospel of Christ now and then I'm hearing the message, but it was a charismatic church, like a fiercely charismatic church. Everyone's speaking in tongues. And I'm like, what's going, what is all this language? What are these? I didn't understand, you know, it was not intelligible kinds of words they were saying. And then people were going down the aisle, going up to the front and being healed in the name of Jesus. And they would fall down and they would be spastic. And I thought, what is this? I, I did not feel comfortable with it. It kind of freaked me out. But they insisted, you really need to speak in tongues if you're going to be, you know, legitimately, formally saved and baptized by the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking, it caught me off guard a little bit because I thought, wait, I thought this Jesus was, he, you know, his God was loved people unconditionally but now you're saying there but there's one condition you've got to speak in tongues to make sure you're saved well i wanted it i wanted what this these people had i wanted this community i wanted this love this acceptance so they said um okay because i couldn't get it I, i'm like i don't even know what, what is this they said we'll take you on a retreat and we'll we'll pray over you and you'll get to know everyone a little bit better and we're going to teach you how to speak in tongues. It's going to happen. I'm like, okay. And I did, I went on this beautiful retreat and I, it was lovely. It was beautiful. And in prayer time, they were praying over me and they had said, look, it's just sort of like uh, the way they made it sound like was you just have to kind of hum these words, nonsensical words, and just let it come out. Don't try, just let it come out. Well, as a sort of songwriter and um, growing up, just writing lyrics and writing melodies in my head, I would hum a lot. So it kind of made sense to me. I thought I could do this. Okay. Yeah, I know what that makes, that would sound like. So I just started doing that. And there was, they were so excited that I was finally saved, you know, <laughs> that I was finally baptized. I so was, was this an Assembly oh. of God church then? Because it, it sounds like you're describing Assemblies of God to the T. Oh, what, say that again? A God church? The, the, no, Assemblies of God church. I'm oh, sorry. The, no, the, the I don't denomination, know. It almost seems like, it's, it almost seems like that's um, I know it wasn't. really heavy. No, uh, I, no, I don't believe it was. But um, but yeah, I see. I see the connection. But no. And then I, you know, I ended up leaving there because although I loved the um i love the gospel of christ and this unconditional loving god um that never really resonated with me so i ended up leaving and believe it or not i never went back 
to church on a regular basis again until I was 30, 30 years old when I was pregnant with my first child. I mean, that's what going to a church where people are running up and down the aisles, hollering, waving big flags around and, you know, spasming all over the place. That's what it'll do to you. Make you want to stay away until you're 30. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, in a way, it it sounds like it scared you away. Like It's almost like you went there and it was too much. Because that's not my... That's not kind of, I'm more of a, a analytical person. And, and so the fundamentalist church that I ended up going to when I turned 30 was a better fit. And it was just more like biblical literalism and they weren't really charismatic at all. Um, I think maybe two people in the entire church might have sp- sp- speak in tongues or whatever. And I, <laughs> but I just felt more comfortable there. Yeah, that makes total sense. I know whenever I was a kid, like I, you know, I I was not raised Christian by any means, Mm -hmm. uh, but we did visit a church maybe once every like four years or so. And I remember one time we went to this Pentecostal church and I was a kid and my mom's like, now don't freak out when they start speaking in tongues, you know, and she kind of explained what it was. Yeah. And uh, I remember praying, please don't let me get tongues (laughs) (laughs) just because of how creepy it seemed, you know, like. It just, it, it sounds oh my ridiculous gosh, to a kid funny. Yeah, so, well, and scary to boot. So I yeah. completely get that. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, yeah, I wasn't really involved in a church until I was pregnant with my first. I'd been married for several years and we just kind of thought you raise your kids in church. That's what you do. So we, we connected to a church in town. And I had, I had always felt sort of connected to the divine and was always very intrigued with divine intervention, angelic intervention. Um, even though, our, like I said, our family wasn't spiritual, really, or we weren't really talking about that stuff at all. But I, I found myself somehow attracted to the uh, miraculous, like, ooh, there's, there is, there's got to be something more than just this physical kind of life that we lead that's interesting i can completely completely resonate with that i'm the same way like not raised in religion by any means but felt (laughs) some sort of commune with the supernatural you know whether it be the divine or you know a connection to others i'm not sure what it was but i always felt like that too that's interesting so when you started having kids what made you choose the church that you did was it just that you felt more comfortable there or were you suggested that church or did yeah. it next to your house or how did you end up there? <laughs> well, I, I'm in a, I'm in a blue state, but a red city and there's a church on every corner. So, um, there's a lot to choose from, but, uh, we did have a family member that said, Hey, check out this church. And my husband was more along the lines of non-religious, you know, I don't need some Jesus to help me be a good person or whatever, get me to heaven. So he was not on board. I, ever since hearing the gospel at 16, kind of felt like at some point I need to get my husband to understand who Jesus is. I always had that feeling. So so it, it was a sister, actually, my husband's sister, introduced us to this church. We go there, and this the pastor just happened to be a very charismatic um wonderful speaker he's actually i'm not gonna say who he is but he's he's well known um and he just 
my husband's like, oh yeah, I could come here every week. This guy's cool. And we ended up becoming the best of friends with the pastor and his wife and hanging out with them all the time and, you know, raised our kid, our first children together. And they ended up years later move, uh, moving away up north. And, um, but that's, that's another thing. But yeah, we kind of got hooked in just from the, the, the pastor being a wonderful speaker. And then I got onto the worship team. I love to sing. And one of my most favorite, and his, the pastor's wife was on the worship team and we just had the best time, felt really connected. You know, when you're in your thirties and you're starting a family, it's nice to have other families that you can hang out with. And we just felt like, oh, we got this new community that we can count on. And and I, I mean, my favorite as a mom, I mean, in my 30s, raising my kids when they were young, like I was saying earlier, those are my favorite ages of just up until, well, up until junior high. <laughs> it's like my favorite, it's like my favorite time with my kids. My kids are now 20 and 23, so. Oh, yeah. So did you did you find that you were able to trust that community and to rely on them? Wow. Good question. Um, I was personally, but I, um, I was so connected. I was so, um, I bought into everything. I trusted the pastor. I trusted the elders, the teaching. And so what they said about the Bible and they were biblical literalists, I just thought, okay, I, I, they're the authority figures. I have to trust them. So there were definitely things along the way that did not um, resonate with my soul. And I, and I would push it aside and push it aside. But eventually I became, because um, I kind of have, I'm a little bit of an academic. I kind of have an analytical mind. I do enjoy research. And I got into theology on, on a, probably a little bit addicted to theology and started see there's where <laughs> there's where you went sideways because once you start digging into oh, I started digging. logistics of stuff oh yeah i started digging <laughs> what's well, true it's true though in fundamentalism because i was very i was involved in fundamentalism a lot and you really are taught not to ask oh, questions well. <laughs> like you really are taught there is one way there is only one truth and there's only one way to interpret scripture and there's like there's these I mean, I'm thinking like navigators, um, some of those different fundamentalist movements, but like you're really taught to not ask questions. Oh yeah. Well, all. in the beginning, um, my questions were appreciated. I would they are the church I happened to go to. It mm -hmm. grew and grew and got to be uh, over a thousand people congregation. Um, it, they had they have a Bible college on campus now. I was going to the classes. I mean, I had my own Bible studies. I mean, we were involved in the marriage ministries, the women's ministries. We were really plugged in and very involved. And I was, I, I, I guess, um, I just bought into it. I don't want to say I was drinking the Kool-Aid, but maybe I was drinking the Kool-Aid. And um, I was the kind of person that was preaching end times, you know, eternal conscious torment. I was very worried about my family and friends. I would, I would be, we, you know, go to bed at night. My husband's, he's a different kind of personality, a different kind of thinker, and he'd sleep like a baby and I'd be up at night and go out into the living room and bawl my eyes out because I thought, 
if you really believe in hell and especially eternal conscious torment or even annihilationism, you're going to you're going to suffer internally if you really buy into this stuff. And I did buy into it. So um, so but then when I as my child children started growing and I started teaching this stuff to them. At one point, my youngest started having nightmares about going to hell and he yeah so he would say you know in in sunday school and they're teaching that you know you have to accept jesus into your heart and i don't i don't know what that means i don't think i have accepted in my heart because i don't know what that feels like people talk about they're talking about what it feels like i don't have any of those feelings and he's crying and then in those moments i thought what the hell am i doing to my child I, it's like child abuse what am i doing um so that along with it didn't resonate with me in the first place so becoming a parent really kind of solidified my um direct the direction i was going so i started researching eternal conscious torment for me that was easily deconstructed and easily like oh okay the bible doesn't teach eternal conscious torment why is our church teaching that i didn't understand mm -hmm. that so I started thinking, well, annihilationism, that's a little more merciful. Maybe I can buy into that. But eventually that I, did, I couldn't buy into that any longer. It's like, who, what parent's going to annihilate their kid? Oh, you don't, you didn't come to all the right conclusions about God. So puff, you're Or you didn't say the sinner's prayer. So yeah, yeah, you're not, you're not redeemable. That didn't make sense to me. So I became a hopeful universalist <laughs> after a while. And, um, and then, the, as you were saying, um, Chris, did I feel like the church um, were they where was the community there for me? And yes, they they were definitely there for me. But um, for example, one of the earliest um, not good memories I had was my okay. So my sister and her husband started going to the church, and. I write about this in the book a little bit. I don't get too deep into it because I don't want to give it a lot of details, but my sister and, and her husband were having some marital issues. And so they went to counseling at the church because of course, you know, you have to go to church counseling. You can't trust the professional therapists out there, <laughs> secular professionals. <That's> right. <laughs> yeah. They don't have the, the word. Christian counseling. There's really only one type of counseling, and it's Christian it's, counseling. It's All the, the other spirit. stuff is secular. And and, and the counseling really was: um, if your husband repents, you take him back. If you can't prove that he um, was unfaithful to you, sexually unfaithful, then you can't divorce him without being in sin. So what happened was her husband continued to. Um, lose her trust, lose her trust over and over. And she ended up divorcing him. And ultimately the church pushed her out of the church and ended up giving him a job <laughs> at the church. Grief. And, 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 yet, par for the and as the sister, I, mean, yeah. I stayed because I thought, well, this was early on if, okay. Cause I trusted the pastor. I trusted the teaching. I thought this must be what the Bible teaches. I guess I don't like it. I don't understand it, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to Jesus. I thought holding on to their interpretation of the Bible meant holding on to Jesus at that time. Well, Jesus is the word, right? Yeah. So. And then this happened a couple of times where the church, um, you know, they would bring the sinner up on stage and, and, 
and say, hey, we need to pray for this is what they've done. And this is we need to pray wow. for them. We need to take them out of ministry. And I always thought as a member of this thousand plus congregation, this sounds like gossiping and what you, this isn't didn't seem right to me. Um, it happened again with another couple, it's, another it's close It's like the friend. walk of shame. Yeah. More than anything. Yeah. It's all a shaming is all it is, a public shaming. So I, I, so that, that was, um, didn't sit right with me. So I ended up uh, researching uh, divorce and remarriage and what, you know, about the debates of the day in Jesus's day. What, what was he really talking about when the, the uh, leaders were coming up and saying, what do you think about divorce and remarriage? And he's answering them. And that's where our church took these scriptures and made their decisions based on these scriptures. But it wasn't, it ended up that I learned there's other ways of interpreting this stuff <laughs> that we don't have to be kicking out the, you know, women or men that have legitimate reasons for divorcing and you push them out of the church as if they're the sinner in the situation. Mm. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. And, and you mentioning earlier that you were more logistic minded or, you know, someone who's a bit of an academic, I can see how <clears throat> that cognitive dissonance of, well, this woman didn't do anything wrong. Her husband did all the stuff wrong yet. He's getting a job. Like, how do you reconcile that? Um, I didn't. I wasn't able to. It was it was very difficult. Precisely. All those things continue all these little things sort of built up over time, started eating away at me. And that's why, well, it did get me to research more and to dig into the scriptures to figure out, well, how did the pastor and the elders come to this conclusion? Because it doesn't make sense to me. And I could after looking through the scriptures in mind, I could see on the surface why they would come to those conclusions. Oh, okay, this is why they say this. But when you dig deeper and you research some other, you know, you get some books that, you know, that have professionals, scholars, they might have a little bit of a different view on this. And it kind of opens your eyes to, oh, okay, so there's other ways of looking at this. We don't have to be so strict on kicking, booting people from the church that <laughs> they're, they're really the ones that you're supposed to be embracing and right. healing. It, it was, it was very difficult. So which one of the books did you say that this area was, you mentioned, I wrote this in the book, but you have two books. So which book was this oh, time of uh, your life written? Oh, um, why I left church to find Jesus is okay. my story of, um, sort of deconstruction and it's sort of deconstructing. It was a combination of deconstructing doctrines and then also mm -hmm. being pushed out of the church. What happened was I, I, um, you opened your mouth, didn't you? <laughs> Chris, you got it. <laughs> well, I had always been opening my mouth, but now social media came along and I started publicly putting things out there. And naively, I'm just like, not even thinking that my friends would be offended or, anything but I mean because they know me there were good friends so of course I'm just curious I'm asking questions there's nothing wrong with that right well the word got out and I started getting reprimands like you better be careful you're crossing some lines here you're being a little too inclusive okay so then what 
being too inclusive. Yeah. That never <laughs> well, you makes think- sense to me. That Sorry, never makes sense to me. I, I understand why people are saying that, but I don't understand it at the same time. The irony well, of that the, Jesus is the uh, thing is, that is really fun. crossed the line for, I guess, for me and the acts of, you know, getting me cut off from the community and from church friends and family and shunned. Um, there was a class that came around and the instructor, the professor was from the Bible college and uh, a friend, a, a Facebook friend of mine, I, we had gone back and forth with different kinds of um, theological ponderings. And he was doing a class called, uh, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? What does the Bible really say about homosexuality or something like that? So I thought, oh, I need, I've been putting that one off way too, far too long because that had always bothered me and rubbed me the wrong way. So I thought I need to really figure out if I'm going to stand behind this doctrine that says, well, you need to be, cel if you're gay, you need to be celibate for the rest of your life to be a Christian. So this instructor, this professor is a, um, uh, a non, he believes in the non-affirming view. He does, he believes the Bible uh, prohibits gay love, intimacy, marriage, but he did a really good job at presenting the affirming arguments. So, and I'm posting all this online and, and all my Bible friends, or, you know, my, I should say my fundamentalist Christian friends are, they're fine with it. They're on board because I was just kind of trying to figure things out. And they just, I think the assumption was, of course, you're going to continue to think that the Bible prohibits gay love and marriage and intimacy and all of that. And at the end of the study, I was happily, oh, I am, I'm not persuaded that the Bible prohibits this. So it ended up I became a really strong ally of the LGBT community and that Thank you. got me, that was the ax. That was, that was the final straw, but I didn't realize that that would happen. I was like, but, but you guys know that I, I'm not making this decision lightly. I'm really not convinced anymore after serious study and research. And now you're just cutting me off. And then, um, not um, too long after that, I, I got a couple letters, one from the pastor and his wife and some from friends that basically you are deceived by the devil. You have left your first love, which is Jesus. Um, you, although you're not a sinner, you encourage other people to sin and you just think everyone's going to go to heaven. And so um we can't we can't, god you're awful we can't talk to you so they cut me <laughs> no. off completely but you guys these are friends some of these friends are we knew my husband and i my family knew for over a decade raised our kids with went to vac on vacations with hol spent holidays with really dear close close friends and i was completely off caught off guard and shocked and yeah. for me it felt like a death or many deaths in the family mm -hmm. and i grieved for a good year yeah I and that's why that. and that's why i ended up writing the book i actually just started journaling out of sheer grief trying to process what i was going through i wasn't planning on writing a book or anything i was just journaling because i was so crushed so i want to ask a question uh because as an lgbtq person 
what I have found is that when people really do dig in and they really do study, they fall where you have fallen on this argument. But the people who are the staunch, like the people who hold the flags that say we're going to hell and, you know, hold the rallies and are all against LGBT rights and all against those types of things and use that biblical narrative actually haven't done any of the research. They just believe what they've been told. Have you found that to somewhat be true or with some of these friends that have you know that that express that hey you're you're stepping out they wouldn't of bounds. even talk to me about it they actually did they wouldn't the even research. my personal really? really personal close friends would not talk to me about it mm-hmm. they were probably discouraged from doing that from uh from leadership I'm or sure. that or they they were fearful that they'd fall where you were gonna fall and then they would lose their own uh, their own standing in the I, church I, body i don't know i mean that's what's so difficult for me is that there was no discussion um and Mm -hmm. i never got a chance to have any closure of the friendship let alone try to explain where i was coming from like my one friend wrote in her letter to me the last time i ever heard from her i'm of course i wrote back i texted her i called her and and she never got back to me um she said, you know, one of the things that she real when she realized I was crossing the line and going over to the devil, the devil's side of things was I said something like um, on a post on a social media post, um, Jesus, oh gosh, I don't remember the, how I worded it, but um, uh, Jesus, not every path may, <laughs> I don't remember now, but not every path uh, may lead to jesus or god but god will travel any path or jesus will travel any path to find you and so she was like you're just saying that you know any religion anybody from any religion can can have jesus and go to heaven and you know i came from a church that even not just i say not just but jehovah's witness and mormons and 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 the you know people of the muslim faith they're all going to have catholics were going to hell we were the only religion that knew that had it right so for me to say something like that was um i guess cross it was heresy to her and to them that to think that jesus or god transcends the boundaries of religion somehow and can find (laughs) and save quote unquote save uh or anyone but for me i mean i am um, as a parent now you realize that there is nothing your child can do that you wouldn't travel to the ends of the earth back for eternity and back to bring them to restoration and wholeness and healing and abundance you want as a parent, you'd give your life up for them and you would never stop. You'd never give up on your child to make sure that they're whole. And, and then I thought, well, how is God? I'm not better than God. <laughs> so that kind of was in my thinking, like God's much greater and he's infinitely wise and infinitely loving and infinitely merciful. And so why, why would we even question that God would give up on any human 
so that's kind of where this all my thinking was and where I was headed. It's a beautiful I've thought, heard, though. I mean, yeah. to, and to be reprimanded for that. Um, I mean, I'm sorry that happened to you, Julie. I feel like it's clearly a fear response, a fear mechanism that your friend, um, you know, that we've been programmed, I should say we, you know, as Christians, like most of that organization, a lot of that stuff is based on fear, you know, the, the heaven, the hell, once that starts breaking down, like it did for, for you, then like that, you know, I, I tell a joke with Elizabeth, like religion never stuck with me because I just didn't have enough fear. You know, like <laughs> once I, re I received that grace message and people, they started tell, teaching me to love myself and I actually started doing that. It, like it, all the other stuff started like not being able to stick as well. And, um, it seems like to, like to have that happen. I'm so sorry. And it's familiar for all of us, but I don't feel like hmm. I want to say, you know, you did nothing wrong and it take it, it takes a lot of like boldness knowing that like, you know, you're going to be misunderstood, you know, like to, you know, to put yourself out there, I guess like that. I mean, you weren't, what you were doing wasn't to attack anybody else. In fact, you were basically saying like, you know, like this, it's, it's an act of love. It's like why exploring the idea, like why can't Jesus be something more like, like, it, and so, yeah, I'm just sorry that happened to you, but it's not, Thank unfortunately, you. not an unfamiliar story. And um, yeah, I mean, guys, um, if you think about it, you know, these were our um, not just my friends, but my husband's friends and my kids. Yeah. And so it's a strain on the marriage. It's a strain on like the kids are like, what, what, what are you doing, mom? Why are you alienating these people? Like it was my doing kind Whoa. of a thing. And that's one of the reasons I put the book together. I was journaling. And then eventually I thought, you know what, I'm going to put this together and make a book for my kids specifically because they knew me as the Bible mom. She would, I mean, I was the fundamentalist Bible thumper Christian mom. So I wanted them to know what happened. And then I thought, what the hell, I'll just make it public and see what happens. And, and now, you know, of course, people come out of the woodworks, because some people can't talk about this. They don't have the luxury, um, for various reasons to be able to speak openly and freely. And so, you know, it's been very touching and very healing for me. Just writing it was healing just personally on a personal level, but then to be able to kind of touch other people, that's been really amazing. And then the Messy Musings book, that was, that's just my, cause like I like to write poetry and, you know, various musings. So I thought since I knew how to put a book together, why not do that too? <laughs> so it was kind of just a thing I did, but, um, yeah, it was the grieving. It was it was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to experience. I let's just say I struggled a lot, you know. And what was and the timeline like what what year would have been that you would have been I guess kicked out and well, <laughs> surpri not surprisingly, this all came to a head at the end of 2016. Yeah. Okay. I think that did for a lot of people. Yeah, because it made us really look at like what we're a part of. Yes, so I started being vocal about that as well, and oof, yeah. got me in trouble. But I was just okay. totally disillusioned. Like, how how are you guys supporting this candidate? I am blown away, and I was just I was really just baffled, completely baffled. Um, 
I'm more baffled now. Like, like <laughs> just, 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 just the same. The fact like, is, what happens? What happens when so everybody close. like talking about faith and religion and like seeing this? Like, what happens when everybody who's praying so hard that for the president and their president is Biden? Like, how do you? So, what do you say to that? I, I just want to know, like, what what's the next step in reckoning? Did you lose, or did God hear your prayers? Or are you going to accept that this is your president? Like, how does how does that even? happen or or just people actually finally admit that like it's all bullshit i mean if like prayer doesn't work how does the church go from being the moral high ground of of sexual purity to hey i'm gonna you know worship this guy that grabs him by the pussy yeah that's was one of the main things (laughs) i i I immediately put out on my social media like hello you guys you realize he said you know this is who this person is and I just got so much pushback and I was confused. I was really quite confused. And I thought, I'm just going in a direction that's different, I guess, than a lot of my Christian friends, I, you know, so. And it's funny, they act like we're doing something to them. And it's like, I just don't agree yes. anymore. Like, I wasn't like. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, it hurt. The, 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 of course, the loss of friendships was devastating. Um, the being called a heretic and stuff by by more acquaintances and whatnot kind of hurt my feelings um, for a long time and fear like oh my gosh what if they're right and I'm wrong and now I'm completely like I'm a heretic cool yeah <laughs> so, okay so is so is Jesus so you're I'm, a good company I'm I don't have I have zero fear I did have used to have a lot of fear as a Christian fundamentalist a lot of fear for mostly for everybody else, but just, I mean, you can't have, but help but have a little bit of fear for yourself because if God can so easily just destroy your child, how do you know you're going to be right with him or whatever? There's always that, but yeah, I'm, I'm completely, now I'm really super open. (laughs) I like too too open, I guess, for some people, like everybody, wherever anyone is on their journey, their uh, spiritual evolution uh, is great with me. I'm curious. I want to know about your spiritual evolution, especially your experiences that you've had. Um, That's the second time I've heard that in a week now, and I don't think I've ever heard spiritual evolution uh, used before. It's the second time in a week. So really, I'm just curious, yeah. Where 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 did you pick that up from? I'm just curious. It's my internally. I mean, awesome. I've always that's, felt that's like really I was on a spiritual evolution. I mean, I know I've I've heard of the deconstruction reconstruction concept. Um, only since I've been quote unquote deconstructing, I had never known that people deconstruct from religion until I started doing it. Not and right. I was, I was pleasantly pleased because I thought I was alone. I felt quite alone when I was going through this and then cut re- to realize when I started sharing more and then people come out of the woodworks, I'm like, Oh, I'm not alone. There's people exactly like me. Thank God. Um, but yeah, the spiritual evolution, I kind of feel like, um, that's always been internally, I've just assumed that that's what we do. And I do still feel, I mean, my friends, and then I would read on some posts, well, you're going to become an atheist if you give up, you know, fundamental Christianity or biblical literalism, or if you don't believe the Bible is inerrant in the word of God anymore, then you're going to become an atheist. And I kind of was like, really? Does that, and I did see that happening to people. Some people would become atheists. Some people in their, this process that they're going through, they are they're agnostic or atheist. And um, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't know. I, I'm, 
I still have this, I guess, faith, if you call it that, but I've had faith since I was, my earliest memories of having faith in the divine is four or five years old, and that hasn't changed. Would you call that a faith that Jesus is the one way to heaven anymore? I know you said you're a universalist earlier, but you said that all or Jesus doesn't mind taking any path. Would you still say that Jesus is the savior? Um, the Jesus is the savior uh, concept, in my opinion, relates to specifically, historically speaking, something that happened in the day of Jesus, that what was relating to the um, the Jewish nation, the Israelites and the I think that specifically when he's talking about saving them from physical destruction, but um, I don't think there's anything wrong with expanding that to something spiritual. I mean, I do, I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with N.T. Wright um, or even Brian Zond, you know, his kinds of views of, um, that Jesus as Lord is what we've kind of made it today in American Christianity is Jesus is like my ticket to heaven. That's what Jesus as Lord is. But back in the day of Jesus, which I'm more inclined to believe is it had to do with you were, um, Caesar was Lord. Caesar was the one you bowed down to. And yeah. there was this empire that you were supposed to be, you know, that's where your allegiance was supposed to be. And Jesus came around to say, no, there's another way. There's a, pe- a nonviolent way, a way of peace, a way, uh, my way, the Jesus way. And so when he was saying Jesus is Lord, or when they were saying Jesus is Lord, it really had more to do with that than. Would you say that was then more of a political statement than a religious yeah. statement? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, give to Caesar yeah. what is Caesar's. Yeah, for God, sure. What is God's? Brian Zahn is definitely big into the uh, golden ticket, right? The whole idea yeah. that we've been trained, which he's he's pushing against that. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm just kind of reverberating yeah. what you said because you mentioned the ticket, and he always would advertise it as a golden ticket, or even kind of using God like a vending yeah, machine. yeah. I don't, I don't. Um, but that it's it's there for it's there for us to use, not us to serve him is the way our culture has kind right. of worked it out. So sorry, Chris, and your specific question going back, you said, Oh, Jesus away. Um, <sighs> I just hear from so many people now who have deconstructed or, you know, spiritually evolved, whatever you want to call it are now saying, well, I don't really necessarily believe in the divinity of Jesus or the soul divinity of Jesus, but, you know, uh, that we save ourselves or that we're all divine or whatever it is. And so, so uh, gosh, that's a hard question. I'm okay with where, sure. where anybody lies in this situation, where whatever their faith, whatever their belief is, it's great. For me, I believe we're all divine. So like you're saying, yeah, Jesus was divine. We, we all are. I, in my limited, finite, spiritual evolution that will, I might think something different, ask me again in a year, but I kind of um, lean on this idea that we are all one, which Jesus did say, we're all one, that we are all part of source or part of God, part of the infinite God. And that really, this sounds a little bit, and it's very heretical, I no, guess, but I, no, I'm we, right there with you. Keep preaching. 
we're <laughs> that we're all sort of pieces or fractals of source that we're all god is ex the infinite god is continually infinitely experiencing himself herself themselves through us and will continue to do so eternally so we're part we're it sounds kind of heretical, but we're God. We're all God together, but pieces, but small pieces, and that we're all on this evolution. And in a sense, I think that we're probably on the spiritual evolution back to source, if that makes sense. Like we're we're kind of in a bait. I feel like we're in the infancy now in this 3D physical world, and we're sort of on this process that eventually leads back to source. And then someone might say, well, then what? I don't know. Then what? We start all over again in another way because God never stops experiencing himself. God is always becoming and always evolving. I know that's heretical. God's evolving. What do you mean? Well, <clears throat> that's just where I'm at right now. <laughs> no, that, that would make sense. I mean, it makes sense to me at least. And I think it's beautiful. I think that the idea, so then without heaven and hell, I think somebody else explained this, maybe a, another guest, but then and death, it's just energy returning to the source because we're all energy and God is energy and having that like connection or, you know, the idea of like humanity all being deity or all being connected to deity because, you know, and I would say to answer, you know, Kristen asked me, but like where Jesus, I think for me connects all that is that like, I mean, yeah, maybe like like the idea that like he was coming not to create Christianity. I don't think maybe that was even Jesus's point, but I think maybe no. he was coming to to spread this this exact message. This I think, oneness in, in, message, in, yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and and I I don't know. I mean, I'm I have a lot of questions still about the Bible um, itself. Um, I, I suspect that Jesus just happened to be much more in touch with oneness and true reality and, and that we all have that same potential within us. I don't see how that's her heretical when it's pretty much, you know, red letters in the Bible. So, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm continue to be uh, more and more of a heretic in, in many ways, more inclusive, more and more inclusive. I'm fully inclusive with my theology, if you will, uh, because we're all in a spiritual journey and we're all going to get there. And I know a lot of people don't like that. Some, uh, some people don't like, what do you mean we're all going to get there? What about the worst of the worst? Well, they have a longer way maybe than you, but they're going to get there at some point because they, we're not, we don't, in my view, 80 years, that's it. And then you got to figure it all out and you're going to go one destiny or another. No, no, that makes sense to me. It doesn't resonate with me. Um, so yeah, one of the things that I started doing was uh, getting involved in his meditation. Like when I was younger, like, I don't know about you guys, but in my teen years, in my early twenties, I was, in, I was very fascinated. Like I was saying with, um, the divine and angelic intervention. I was in, I was also fascinated with psychics, with mediumship, with um, 
this this otherworldly spiritual thing that I felt like I intuitively yeah. knew lived side by side with us. Like there's the physical. We need to get you on Ask PK. Ask PK. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've always yeah. been fascinated with that kind of thing too. I've had a hard time dropping that whole idea since dropping Christianity. <laughs> like, I, well, I draw, so deconstructing has allowed me to once again be open to all of that, which has been really nice to not feel the fear, like, you know, because when you're, right. well, at least in my church, it was like, no, 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 you have, you can't listen to mediums and you can't go to psychics right. and that's evil and that's demonic. And, uh, and I knew people with these psychic, a couple people with these psychic abilities and the church would tell them, no, you, that's of the devil. And they had seen their loved ones, their dead loved ones, you know, in, sure. and, and it's like, well, but they had a beautiful experience and you're saying that that's just oh yeah because the devil satan is like an angel of light and he tricks you and it's like mm -hmm. oh my gosh oh. so i'm glad that i you know i'm open all, to all of that now and started meditating more than a year ago got in, got into meditation and got into you know researching um uh you know energy bodies and astral projection and lucid dreaming and out of body experiences, of course, and near death experiences, I'd always been interested in those, but, you know, looking into out of body experiences. And I don't know if you guys all look into that stuff now. Since well, you have in your research, yeah, right. In your research, what do you use? What, what do you research? What are you using for that research? I mean, are, do you have books? Do you have podcasts? Like, what are you using to for which stuff up? Oh, for like, for, your astral, uh, oh, all the things you just said, that list you just said. Um, well, I started allowing myself to join groups, various groups that are open to this idea. And then you follow people and they recommend books. And so I'm doing, you know, I've had some connections with some authors out there um, who've written books or have these experiences. Like, do you, are you familiar with My Big Toe? for example, Tom Campbell, and no. he's a, he's a physicist and he's not a quote unquote spiritual person, but he's um, like, he's one of, there's so many out there guys that have these experiences and that have research and have books. But I mean, he's had many, have you've never, have you heard of remote viewing? Mm -mm. So you guys, you got to get into some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but basically, so well, so out-of-body experiences, for those who don't know what that means, it's um, sort of like a near-death experience. You're probably familiar with that, where some people have died for their brain dead for a few minutes, and then they're brought back to life. But during that brain dead, those moments, minutes, they have had some kind of experience with the, the afterlife. And there's all kinds of reasoning for that, but they're convinced that they had these experiences some people go to heaven some people go to hell some people go to other different kinds of places uh dimensions um universes and um it's really fascinating but tom campbell anyway if you want to look him up he's one guy that i feel like he's legit he's he's a um scientific mind and has some research behind this yeah go ahead chris you had a question oh no, well, I was just going to say, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, 
I, I want you to continue with this, but uh, I want to kind of bring it back around just a little sure. bit, if you don't mind. <laughs> None of this is um, in my book, by the way. My book is really <laughs> just specifically my deconstruction and being, you know, excommunicated or and shunned yeah, from the I mean, church I, I based think on my journey, my little mini journey. I do think it's fascinating. Yeah. My best friend uh, in North Carolina, his wife uh, was heavily into the whole astral projection thing and... Uh, um, you know, I still likes to talk about it and stuff. I don't think she does it anymore. She had, I think, a couple of bad experiences right near the end, and so. But yeah, mm-hmm. always definitely question, something Chris? cool to check out. But 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 essentially, you know, for our listeners, because the majority of our listeners are not at the level yet where they're looking into astral projection <laughs> or whatever. They're sorry, they're in the position. Where, no, it's fine. It's and it's very interesting. I'm I'm intrigued by it personally. I I can't wait to look into. But some I bet of it. you they'd be okay with near yeah. death experiences. Sure, and there's some really great unsolved mysteries episodes about that too. Um, but <laughs> I would I would say. You know, for the majority of our listeners who are still part of the church, you know, they're exactly where you are at, where they're friends with the pastor. You think a majority of our listeners are still part of the church? I would say that a lot of people who listen who aren't necessarily like super close to our community that's online, like Marco Polo, I would say absolutely. In Mm -hmm. fact, one of them is watching right now. Um, For the people that are still involved in church like that. Uh, and that mm-hmm. want to question, but they they don't feel safe doing it. They're they're going to lose their friends. They're going to lose their support. Would you encourage them to go through with it? Dude. Has it been beneficial for you? Like, what would you say to them? You dudes, I was gonna say, dude, dudettes. <laughs> you you live <laughs> only once. Well, you live this particular life only once, probably. Uh, I don't know about this parallel universe stuff. I don't know. But I mean, that's another thing that you can be open to is reincarnation once you kind of start exploring. But this is it. If you are on a spiritual evolution, ask questions, push forward. Do you want to, do you want to live like let's just say reincarnation is real <laughs> you want to go have to go through this kind of similar life again or do you want to go to the next level level up man come on push forward <laughs> open your your mind and your spiritual experiences be open to more ex- spiritual experiences i would say i mean it's it sucks when you lose it's hard because this is your community and I, I get it it's really hard especially if, if financially you're dependent on it because that's a whole other situation with ministers pastors giving up their financial status yep yep <laughs> um there's so much more out there we're just barely scratching the surface speaking of opening your mind though to spiritual experiences have you ever done mushrooms i haven't personally <laughs> Um, I know people that have. And say it's I, pretty much about to be legal out there in California. It's pretty close. Yeah. Like you, not a far well, drive. Oh, no. And you know what? There are people that do it um, not just recreationally. That We have, yes, we have people PTSD out here who do it. Yes. And they go on astral kind of experiences, mm-hmm. out of body type of experiences. Sorry, very Chris. <laughs> very similar to astral projection. It can kind of, I don't know how it works, you know, chemically, biologically or whatever, but somehow it can, it opens your mind up somehow to be able to do that. Um, 
and I don't want to be too weird, but uh, you know, I have I have had a couple out of body experiences since I've been practicing. Well, I was practicing meditation now, like I said, for over a year, and I practice hardcore lucid dreaming techniques, which can open you up to the next level. And then I practice the out of body techniques for, and it's a lot of work and it's time consuming, right? I haven't been done it, been practicing for months, but I did have a couple um, successful attempts and it is not, well, I didn't, I didn't go to any, in some of these groups I'm in, I mean, they're going to, I know it sounds wacky and stuff guys, but to some people it sounds wacky to my husband. So <laughs> they go to other universes and other dimensions. Um, and like with Tom Campbell and my big toe, he, he, in his understanding, his theory, my big toe is the theory of everything. Um, is what it stands for, uh, my big theory of everything. He, he's, he kind of explains it as you're not really going anywhere. You're not traveling anywhere. You're, you're just able to take your consciousness and it's, it's, it, you stop focusing on right now and you're able to put your focus somewhere else. Almost like when you're dreaming, okay? In a dream state, you're asleep, you're still physically there, but you're somewhere else, right? You're, you feel like you're completely somewhere else. Uh, but you're not your your consciousness your focus is somewhere else have you guys ever it, i know we're getting way off topic no, that, i mean it's so, fascinating it's almost like but, a whole episode in of itself we're, getting, we we're going do, on a whole other episode this, so. but um if you ever have experienced lucid dreaming like you're sleeping and you're you you wake up in a dream meaning you're dreaming and you go oh wait i'm dreaming you're completely aware that you're dreaming that's a certain level of lucidity or awareness when you're sleeping right but you know, you're, and you can even think, oh, I'm asleep in bed, but you just go on with your dream and you're just very conscious of the dream. And some people who are very good at it, they can control their dream. They can do, go, do you think oh, deja I'm... vu is connected to anything like that? Any of that stuff is connected? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm no expert, but I've, I've, from what I've read, deja vu can be related to possibly a reincarnated, you know, you've had another incarnation at some point. It kind of reminds you of it. I don't know. It's very fascinating, but yeah, but I like I said personally, I've been able to take my consciousness. I know it's wacky, guys, but I've been able to take my consciousness away from my body, but only f several feet, not out of the universe, not out of, even out of this dimension. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just a baby. I'm a beginner at this stuff. Like, I would almost question. That's why I questioned the deja vu thing, and we can get back on track or wherever we're doing. I know we'll pretty much probably have to wrap soon. Sorry, Chris. But, are we are we making Chris but, uncomfortable? No, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. No, no it's, I, I, he I, just I, doesn't I, believe in any of it. <laughs> but but I'm wondering with the whole deja vu thing too, with the because talking about like your consciousness leaving is like, what if it isn't going like into the future? You know, I mean, sort of a thing. And so then it's kind of like oh, like there's like that. Um, Quick well, I don't know. Tom Campbell, again, I go back to him because he's mm -hmm. kind of um, he's kind of the rational expert on this. Um, and he would say you can't go into the future, into the oh, past. Okay. Technically, you can't. You can go in the probable future and you can go into the look at the past because it's all out there. He kind of can he will. Um, gives the analogy of sort of a database, computer database, and it's out there. It's somewhere for your consciousness. Can't it? If God is this ultimate source, so that ha that has knowledge of everything, past, present, future, probable future, I'll say. Um, 
then you, if you can, if you're a part of that source, that God, technically then you would be able to, if you had the skills to do so, bring yourself and tap into that source. So you could go into the past and see the past clearly, or even see probable pasts and probable futures. And uh, we're getting, we're getting a little bit out there, but it's very fascinating. I kind of, I'm interested in, I wish I had more time to dive into it. Well, I mean, I think, I think we are a little bit out there, but this does show spiritual evolution. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Right. And that, um, we you can go from being very fundamental to 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 this next I don't know what we call this evolution. I mean next I guess step. to this next evolution. Next step in your down spiritual path, evolution. This next yeah. Step. Keep take go up this mm-hmm. ladder. Keep taking yeah. the steps. Why not? Don't be afraid. Worst case scenario is you take a step and you're like, ah, I can't buy into that. And you you might go lateral and then <laughs> then go back down, take another step. It's okay. I don't think it's even really that far out there. If you look at what's even happening in the natural right now with the internet, you look at like kind of what you're describing as a spiritual internet in a way. If you look at like all of us, if the energy being like we're all connected to some giant motherboard that like <laughs> holds all the information, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's like we as humans are already building something like that that exists that's yeah. just collecting all this information and it's all connected and it's pretty much we're, we're creating god in a way of our, our own form of it but that's what we're creating wow i don't think it's necessarily even spiritual evolution so much as it's cyclical like because if you look back uh in the bible you see moses is seeing a burning bush you know i mean how I, out there is that it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, they were all on mushrooms too. Come on. I yeah, ayahuasca. I just learned about that. I watched a documentary on. I think it was called the medicine or something. It was all about ayahuasca. I'm like, whoa. Okay. This is so yeah, pe- I was telling my mom recently that I wouldn't mind, you know, trying to take a trip on ayahuasca. Just one, you know. She's like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> and I'm like. Dude, it'd be in awesome the right situation with people you that. trusted, yeah. somebody that could kind of walk you through it. I would That's do a lot of that yeah. stuff, especially some DMT. You know, like to be able to like see yeah. like mm-hmm. what they kind of describe that as like your most no <laughs> the the most accurate or the most close to God that I think people have been able to experience. Maybe is something on that level, and which which you would also experience from the ayahuasca plant. So that's that's the whole thing. If if that is what Moses encountered, it's very possible. So Chris, you've never had any kind of like spiritual experiences that oh, that course. you feel like were you can't explain in Absolutely. the natural sort of. I, I think that you know the majority of the experiences that I had as a Christian were probably explained by some sort of groupthink uh-huh. or. Um, you know, I, I think the brain is an incredible, powerful thing that can see what it wants to see. I mean, there's yeah. that thing going around TikTok where they say, which word is, is the little machine saying, is it brainstorm or green needle? And it's like, you know, your brain interprets what it wants to interpret at the time. So I think that your brain can do a lot, you know? So 
but I, I don't I don't know how I would explain it other than that. I really so honestly couldn't tell what, you. Have you thought about the near death experiences and there's no brain activity and then they come back and they say, you know, this and that, whatever happened. Do you, have you thought about that too much or not really? Not really. I, I mean, certainly nothing that I've, you know, thought about for myself, but I've I've thought about it, you know. I guess as people experience it, well, that's pretty interesting. It's probably some sort of a, I mean, whenever your brain loses oxygen, you probably hallucinate, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I would imagine that's something that happens. Just a little pissed because technically mm-hmm. I died and came back and I have, well, no that's because you were like six. That. Well, still, but it would have been nice <laughs> if I would have been able to recall something because I died wow. on the table and they brought me back. So I just, Was I that like wish a drowning? I really, I wish God. Seth or? Omar drowned. Uh, that was me. Uh, I'm the one that, that dad, dad um, I was drowned. in a coma <gasps> for six days. He, yeah, he was in a coma. <laughs> and nothing? No memories so for it, either of you? Not, no memories. In fact, I know nothing. Mm. When I came back, like Rip I off. knew I nothing. Like I it 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 cleared the hard drive. I had to start all over really? at age six, pretty much. Uh yeah. I I know nothing. So yeah. Yeah, same. I mean, I was I was two years old, and so um, wasn't breathing for a while. But the whole story, I mean, that starts. That's yeah. My grandmother found me and was praying to Jesus, and so that started my whole trajectory. Wow. And Elizabeth and I have never died. So, (laughs) nope, not yet. (laughs) I mean, I guess we died to ourselves under Christianity. But, you know, here I am. (laughs) Julie, I mean, this has been really great. Honestly, I feel like the first half of the interview was really us just kind of getting to know your story, kind of like who you are. And then we've gotten into some really fascinating topics where I I feel like um, we could branch off in lots of different directions. It's going to be a part two. For sure. Yeah, I want to interview you again. I want this to be like an intro. (laughs) So people can kind of get to know you. I just, I feel like my, um, I don't know how you guys feel about your 20s, but my 20s was like learning to walk kind of a thing. And uh, just very, just figuring life out. In my 30s, during my fundamental Christianity days, it, there was a place for it. I, w- I don't regret it. I don't, I don't want to say it was a waste um, because it, it there was need a need that was filled, you know, during that time. Seth doesn't know and, anything about his thirties yet. Oh well, then <laughs> yeah. Sorry guys, I, I'm a little old, on the older spectrum, but he's um, a baby. Don't let his forehead fool you. <laughs> <laughs> but I I feel like almost like um, leaving, having this experience, this this um, deconstruction and this this excommunication from fundamentalism or the church has allowed me to, you know, like I said before, be open to these other uh, experiences, other realms, other possibilities. And I feel like it's kind of endless, you know, the, the possibilities are endless. So I'm excited that I, my second half of life, I can sort of dive into that and and learn things that I wasn't really allowed to learn in my first half of my life, I guess you would say. So 
which is where our conversation was kind of going that, you know, which I'm so like before I was black and white and you got to fit into a box. And now I'm like, whatever, I just, I'm going to hear it all and hear everybody's experience. It's a good place to be. I feel like for me, it's a good place to be. I 100% agree. I, I love where I'm at. And I say this all the time because I, I think it really rings true and resonates with me. Um, but I just love the mystery of yeah. it all. Like, it's so yeah. cool. Like, I don't need to define anything, you know. I can just experience it yeah. and enjoy it. And and I don't need to to be able to say, oh, well, this is who God is. This is what God wants from you. This is how you get to God. Mm-hmm. Like, it's none of my business. And if it were, you know, then I would know without a shadow of a doubt. There would be no question if we were meant to know, you know. So I, right. I, I just, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Yeah. I love it. It's great. Yeah. Thank Wish we could talk for hours, guys. You guys are very interesting. Well, we can. Well, not yes. now. We can. But... We should do it again. We yeah. Can. Our kids are fighting now. It's late. It's late. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we... But but let's talk about this. If Julie, so the the two books are messy uh, musings, which is poetry, and then the book that's got the awesome title that you've mentioned, "Why I Left Church to Find Jesus." I'll tell you what, that's one hell of a title. Um, I want to buy that book. So, um, just because of the title, those well are done. Where, can Where we else buy them? can they find? They're both on Amazon. And honestly, the, the, the Why I Left Church to Find Jesus is um, you can read it in an hour. It's just a brief telling. Like I said, it's like journal entries. And I do put little pieces of artwork in with each entry because I do love art um, and follow different people. And so I just, you know, when a piece sort of resonated with me that I thought connected to an entry, um, I, I put it in my book. Um, so they're, they're on Amazon and um, I, I do have a website called julieview.com. You know, if you can check that, if you want to check that out, that's just some, my writings are up there. And then of course on Facebook, I have um, a page, same name, julieview.com right i think that's what it is <laughs> yeah i went there right before is we that, uh did yeah. this interview that's exactly what it okay. is <laughs> let me see julie view as in like enjoy the view yes right? julie view. yes Dot yes com. julie view can yeah, yeah enjoy the view everybody has different views <laughs> i don't know yeah that's what i ended up calling it that's cool well julie uh stick around for a minute before we uh you know uh, after we go off live but i just you know as a wrap-up thank you very much for your time uh, everyone, please go and check out julieview.com. Check out the books that she has, the writings. Uh, and uh, do you mind people following you on social media? Yeah, that's fine. What's your social media? Um, Facebook and Instagram. I don't really put any stuff up. I mean, just picture private, personal stuff, like pictures. And if they just search um, up, and twi- uh, I even have McVeigh. a Twitter account, but I don't really. Yeah, it's Julie McVeigh. Yeah. Well, thank you very much thank you so much thanks guys
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.